I tend to like to watch board game videos, man. Yes, I know. Often in bed while I'm trying to sleep. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, Episode 7. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we hope for one extra crown on our wheat field in the award-winning tile-laying game, King Domino. So, Josh, how's your week going? Well, I can't complain. I guess I'm still trying to get back into work mode after vacation mode. Yeah, we just came back this past Sunday from a Disney cruise. We were in the Bahamas for a few days. Yeah, and poor planning. We did not schedule in a buffer day. We flew back in and got home about 6 p.m. and then on Sunday, and then back to work and school on Monday morning. That was poor planning. Yes, and then on Wednesday of this week, I am leaving to fly out again to California for a work trip. So Yeah, that's in, so, the, in the morning. You fly yes. out at what time? 6.30. Yeah, so you are a trooper. I hope our listeners appreciate we are recording this at... 9:30 p.m. and you fly out at 6:30. 6:30 a.m. So I will be up. I don't I don't even want to think about what time I will be up, but we'll get through this. Well, we're not going to think about it. We're going to think about board games. That's right. For the next few minutes, um, which I'm glad we are thinking about board games and podcasting about board games because we certainly have not been playing board games since our last episode. We really haven't. Our our Lives have been pretty hectic and busy, a lot of travel. We were on a camping trip, and then we were on the cruise, and then I have this work trip this week. Before that, you had a work trip the week before that. So we haven't had a lot of time for gameplay. I think we've played one game since our last episode. Yeah, I usually, when we record, I like to pull up my my board game stats just to refresh my memory about what we've played in the last couple weeks. And the the last registered play was something we talked about on our last show two weeks ago. So that means we we have not played any games. That's kind of depressing. We've got to get back into gaming. We've even had to cancel our regular Wednesday night game night for the last couple of weeks. I guess you'll be doing that this week, but I won't be here. Yeah, but. I'm super excited. Tomorrow night, game night, we'll start back up. But actually, I, I just briefly looked over these board gaming stats and I'm pretty sure this is our longest spell with no board games in two years. Oh, that's sad. We're going through a dry spell, but that's okay. After this, we should be able to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, you know, there's two big gaming events coming up where hopefully we can make up for lost time. I've been in the process of scheduling what <laughs> what our gaming group has referred to as JoshCon, I guess we've done this a couple times now. Well, actually, I know a couple times because they're referring to it as JoshCon 3. So. JoshCon 3.0. <laughs> the 3, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we headed to the beach back in January, and we're going to grab a, grab a cabin in the mountains of North Carolina during the weekend, the first weekend of June. And so that'll be fun just to get away, and, and it'll be fun. Also, a little, a little sad because one of our gaming group members, Toby, is moving away, so this is kind of a, a going away celebration of gaming with him. So that's a little sad, but it'll be really great to spend some time away for a few days, play some games. Also, the first week of July, Josh and I are both heading down to Florida for the Dice Tower Convention, which is our first major board gaming convention. I'm quite excited about it. I've joined the Facebook group and the guild on BGG. 
Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, this will definitely be our first sort of big national gaming con. So from from the looks of it, it looks like just four or five days where people play lots of games and that's what it's all about. And the resort looks nice. There's a big pool and we are actually not taking the kids. So at the very least, it will be lots of board games and lots of relaxation. So what more could we want from a getaway? I know. Should be fantastic. But like we said, I mean, we can't complain too much. We've been doing a little bit of traveling and I was scouring the last two weeks thinking, well, is there anything in there we could that's worth talking about on the show. And I guess a couple things. So I personally, and you personally did not play a lot of gaming. My brother, my younger brother was a real trooper. He went with us on the cruise and he played Uno with our kids at least a couple of times, which is one of their favorite games to play. That's true. Uno and um, I believe there was a Jenga game in there somewhere. Yeah, I went out onto the balcony of the cruise ship. Uh, we had a connecting balcony with, with my parents and my brother was out there playing Uno with our kids. And each of them had a hand of like 17 cards, which really brings up my big pet peeve with Uno is, and I'm pretty sure this is a house rule, um, but I will not play Uno with the rule of you keep drawing until you get a card you can play. Yeah, I agree. I think that rule is ridiculous and just makes for a long and tedious, terrible game. Yeah, I, I insist when I play, you draw one card and you play it or you don't. But one of the things that's interesting about Uno is that there are so many different house rules for that game. I mean, we had a babysitter once that taught our kids this rule where if you have more than one card with the same number, you can play it them both or play all of them instead of just playing one card, which was a rule I had never heard of. Well, I do appreciate that it might make the game go faster. I think I'm an Uno purist. I like, you know, draw one card, play it if you can. Uh, you play one card. That's it. One card. I agree. That's how I've always played. Uh, but yeah, lots of variations. And, you know, I think if we think about these classic games that, that have been around a while that are kind of out in the culture, uh, Uno being one of them. Monopoly being another. A difference that I see is Monopoly, a lot of people play Monopoly wrong. That's sort of a big problem. I think a lot of people have with Monopoly is they they play all these house rules that actually make the game way longer and way worse. And not too long ago, we played Monopoly with our game group using the actual rules. And while it wasn't the most fun gaming experience, it also wasn't terrible. Yeah, I think we have to sometimes trust the designers, even of those kind of classic games, that they knew what they were doing and that the rules are written the way they are for a reason. And when we make those house rules, it tends to actually make the games less fun. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but but with Uno, though, I would say the, the makers of Uno seem to have gone in a different direction and have embraced the breadth of house rules. Uh, because, for example, the version of Uno that we have includes blank cards where you can write down whatever rule you want and incorporate it into the game, uh, which you all must have done without yeah, me. I, I believe I made a card that says draw six. Yeah. Imagine my surprise when I got the <laughs> draw six card and the swap hands with another player card, which actually pretty, that's pretty creative. Thank you. That's pretty fun. But anyway, Uno was played around me, but luckily I didn't play it. <laughs> Uh, another sort of vacation-related thing that we can scrounge for some content in this show is you mentioned, Mamie, we went on a camping trip with some friends, and that was fun. Did some tent camping, beautiful spring weekend, um, a couple weekends ago with friends. It was great. But we, uh, for the wine portion, <laughs> we had some leftover 
wine in a can. Yeah, our wine tonight is is very unique for us. We are drinking wine in a can, which we bought to take on our camping trip so we wouldn't have to lug around glass bottles. Um, And it's actually surprisingly delicious. This is the Union Wine Company's Underwood Pinot Noir, and that's from out in Oregon. And it comes in a 375 milliliter can. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I've purchased I purchased this wine about a year ago from the same wine shop that carries it for the same camping for, trip. For the same, yeah, for <laughs> camping. And both times, the owner of the wine shop said to me, "Do keep in mind this is wine and not a beer." So, because because the size of the can, it's very similar to what you might see as a typical beer can, and so. It's worth noting this is a half bottle of wine. In this can, you don't want to slam down a can of wine because you're actually, that's like two and a half glasses of wine. But what do you think of it? I, I actually think it's really good. I, I am surprised by how good it is considering it came from a can. Um, I know one of our friends that was drinking it when we were camping said he, he felt like it had a metallic taste, but I think that might have been in his head. I don't pick up on that. I think it's good. Yeah, there's. It, this is probably part of the ceiling process um, but it seemed like there's a slight effervescence as soon as you it's like carbonation as soon as you pour it uh, but that seems to go away and it's fairly still uh, after that yeah i think it's it's passable for wine in a can drinking while you're sitting outside it's perfect i mean i, I pour it into a glass instead of d- drinking it from the can it makes me feel a little bit more classy <laughs> <laughs> that's true and we are drinking it from a glass tonight uh, polishing off the the leftover wine that we had um, but anyway mamie Enough about all of those things, enough about the past. Let's talk about our game of the week, King Domino. All right, so in King Domino, you are a lord who is exploring new lands to expand your kingdom. Through your exploration, you encounter wheat fields, lakes, forests, grasslands, deserts, and mountains, which are all illustrated colorfully on dominoes. Each round, you place your king meeple on one of the four face-up dominoes, reserving it for you to place into your kingdom. On the reverse side of each domino is a unique number from 1 to 48, which indicates the tile's relative value. Reserving the most valuable domino can really boost your kingdom. However, you'll be the last to choose in the next round. Now, a number of the dominoes have one or more crowns that are also illustrated on the landscape. And at the end of the game, each region of terrain in your kingdom scores a number of points equal to the number of connected squares of that landscape type times the number of crowns. So you could have a really giant wheat field that's made up of 12 squares, but if you don't have any crowns, you score zero points. And play continues with players selecting from one of the four landscape dominoes until all the dominoes are taken. And the highest score is the winner. All right, Mamie, that's a little overview of King Domino. So why don't we first play this game? I don't completely remember. You ordered this one, but where did you first hear about it? Yeah, so so King Domino came out in 2016 and won the Spiel des Jahres in 2017. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, that's the award given to the best game, typically the best family-type game in Germany. And so this game had quite a bit of buzz during 2017, obviously, just to be nominated, but then to win. Um, so I had I had heard about it, and I tend to like to watch board game videos, Mamie, as you know. Yes, I know. Often in bed while I'm trying to sleep. And I'm like, Mamie, check out this video. <laughs> you were less excited about it than me. Nothing like the, the sweet 
sweet sounds of Tom Vassell as you're trying to drift off to sleep. Exactly. Um, so anyway, I watched this How to Play video and, and instantly thought the King Domino seemed like something we would enjoy and the type of game we could play with a wide range of friends and family. And what really impressed me was that I could pretty much completely understand how to play the game from just a short video. Um, however, it wasn't just that it was simple, because, you know, Mamie, I like, uh, we both like more complex games, but it just it just really looked fun. So it's not a super expensive game. So I think I was putting together a game order and just decided, like, you know what, let's toss this in. This will be a fun game we'll probably have a good time with. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I mean, it's been a great addition to our collection, and we have played it a ton since it arrived. Let's talk a little bit about the components of the game. I mean, they're... As you mentioned, it's not a super expensive game because the components are fairly simple. It's a collection of tiles and meeples and then little castles, which don't really have a point but are cute. Yeah, I think there are 48 of these tiles that are shaped like dominoes. So if you've played Carcassonne before or any game that has little square cardboard tiles, these are like double that size. Yeah, so it'd be like if you had two uh, two together, like a domino. Yeah, it has two two squares put together. Um, and on those, as I mentioned, there are all these different types of landscape and they're all very colorfully done. So there's good contrast in, in color and illustration among the different types. Um, but every domino, um, each square is kind of a unique combination. So you might have a domino that has a wheat field on one side and water on the other side or forest and desert or maybe even two fields on both sides, um, similar to how you would have a domino that would have a three and a four or two fives. Um, but yeah, I agree. The components are great. The, the tiles are really, really thick. And one thing that's a little unique, I guess, is you know how a lot of these cardboard tiles have sort of a matte finish? Um, these have a very shiny yeah, uh, finish. Yeah, they're definitely gloss finished. Glossy, yeah. And nice they're very pretty. Finish. And one of the things that's really cool is that there are these little sort of Easter egg of pictures hidden in the tiles. One of my favorites is there's a tile that's water on both sides and hidden in the water is the shadow of the Loch Ness Monster. It's really just fun. Yeah, and our kids really, um, really enjoy that. They sometimes will select the tile just because it has the cool like sea monster or, or something fun going on in the field. Which isn't the best strategy, but it's definitely fun. Yeah, really, really, really uh, engaging tile art. But what do you think about the the gameplay, Mamie? Well, you know, I like a lot of games that I enjoy. Um, it's really pretty simple, but not easy. I, f I feel like a broken record. I know I say that all the time. But, I mean, the basics are that you take turns choosing these tiles and placing them in your kingdom. But the complexity really comes with trying to get the tiles that best help you increase the value of your kingdom. Um, and that's, as you said, you know, related to the number of crowns on the tiles or the number of tiles that you can connect in your region. It's, again, it's s simple in terms of learning, but it's complex in terms of understanding the strategy. Yeah, I do. I do agree. I think it's one of those that has layers. Um, the more you play it, you know, your strategy uh, becomes a little more sophisticated and you know, you might start at the beginning, the first time or two you play, well, really the first time you play it, most people I've played it with, you know, you get about half of the way into making your five by five grid and you realize you've screwed up and there's no way you can actually <laughs> complete it without throwing a tile away. Um, but then beyond that, you know, you start to move beyond making your own kingdom the best and most optimized it can be, but you start paying attention to what other people need and you start to layer on the strategy of balancing what's best for me, but also not wanting to leave a certain tile available to my opponent that might be a big scoring tile for them. 
Right. And then that complexity is, again, intensified by the mechanic for how you select tiles. Because as you said, if you take the most valuable tile, then that means in the next round, you're going to get the last choice. And so trying to balance whether you select the most valuable tile or set yourself up to get first choice next time is kind of one of the decisions that adds some complexity to this game. Yeah, and we should just mention how that mechanic works because it is fairly simple, but it really is a big part of the game. And so let's imagine you have a four-player game. For every round, there will be four dominoes laid in the middle of the table. And, And as we mentioned, on the back of those dominoes, there will be one number from 1 to 48. In general, one being a, a less valuable tile and 48 being a, a more rare or more valuable tile. And so um, going in in turn order from the per- so the person who selected the most valuable tile in the previous round will be last to go in the current round. And um, conversely, the person who got the least valuable tile in the previous round will get to go first, which is kind of a good balancing mechanism. But But the thing that also is interesting is it's not so simple that the highest value tile is uniformly the best one. Right. In, in general, it's maybe a more rare tile or one with crowns on it. But depending on what you are trying to do in your kingdom, the the largest number tile may not be the best one for you. So um, there's a lot of interesting decisions in thinking about which tile to take. Definitely. And in the two-player game, um, you use two meeples. And so you lay out four tiles and each person gets to choose two of them, but it still follows those same rules. So it's possible that you might get to the, you know, two most valuable tiles in one round, but then in the next round, the other player gets to choose two tiles before you select any. And so it similar strategy, but it definitely makes things a little more complicated when you have two players, which I like because we play a lot of games as two player. Yeah. And I think the gameplay is surprisingly strategic, um, especially at two players because you're using all the tiles. Um, and, and the back of the rule book actually lays out the distribution of the number of each landscape type. Certain landscapes are more plentiful than others, but also the number of tiles of each landscape that have those crowns, which are the multiplier for how many points um, each landscape type in your kingdom will score. And so you can kind of gauge, all right, I've got a really great field going, and I can see that there are three more field tiles with crowns coming out, and so I'm going to keep my eye out for those. Uh, So you really can, as you get more familiar with the game, um, be more strategic. And also, in addition, the, the rule book lays out a few... Um, additional scoring opportunities if you want a little extra challenge. So you can add in bonus points for building a perfect five by five kingdom or having your castle. We mentioned, so you start with the starting tile that has a little castle and the starting tile is, it's essentially a wild card. You can place any type of um, landscape adjacent to the starting tile. But if you finish your five by five grid with the castle directly in the center, you can get bonus points for that. Um, and then last, the Mighty Duel, which which they call the Mighty Duel. And that's a two-player game where you attempt to make a 7x7 seven seven grid using all the tiles instead of 5x5, five five, which really does kind of ramp up the decision-making quite a bit from the 5x5, five five, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, we played that. That's the the version that we played just last night. And it was definitely a lot more complicated than the 5x5 five five because 
on one hand, you're using all the tiles, so it's a little easier to predict kind of what's going to come out. Uh, one thing we should mention is that if you do play 5x5 five five as a two-player, there's a random selection of, of tiles that never come out. And so that sort of can impact your strategy if you're banking on knowing what's going to come out. But trying to make sure that you're set up in such a way that you can make a perfect 7x7 seven seven grid is not an easy task. Yeah, and 7x7 seven is seven pretty big. I always have to keep counting. Uh, okay, I'm at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 in this direction. And, right. And yeah, and you know, we've gotten pretty good at the 5x5 five five and how we, our patterns for how we like to lay out 5x5. Five five, that 7x7 seven seven really, uh, really messed up my strategy. I don't think either of us did it, right? We both had to throw away a tile. Yeah, we both had to throw away one tile. But Mamie, what's what's your favorite thing about King Domino? You know, I I, I keep saying this. I'm definitely kind of a broken record. We're going to have to talk about some more weighty games soon. But I think maybe it's reflective of how busy our life is that when we're playing games, we want things that are a little bit quicker and lighter. And what I like about this game is what I've liked about a lot of the games we've talked about is kind of the universal appeal. You know, we've played it with everyone from our heavy gaming friends to our kiddos and everybody enjoys it. It's that quick and light and easy to learn, but also thought provoking. And that's kind of what I'm loving in a game right now. Yeah, I agree with all those things. There's just something about this game that is very enjoyable. And, and you know, I, there are other games we have that are, are just as simple to play. But, you know, I've played King Domino well over 20 times, at least. And I love it. Like, I would be happy to play any time it was suggested by anyone. It's just, there's something very satisfying about choosing the tiles, thinking about how to arrange them, thinking about where to place those crowns to try to maximize your points and also the spatial puzzle of trying to organize it into a five by five grid. There's just something about that that's really satisfying to me and I really enjoy it. And the fact that it also plays easily in 15 minutes is just an added plus. Easy to fit this game in into a busy schedule. I definitely agree. Is there anything about the game that you don't like? Um, I've I really thought about this. Uh, so think if there was anything I don't like i guess shuffling the dominoes is a little harder than shuffling cards i don't i don't I, you know maybe I, I know this is tough but i could not think of anything that i don't like about this game i mean now if this was the only game i ever had left to play i would maybe want more a more complex gaming experience sometimes this is not for me this is not an entree game on game night however for what it is and what it's trying to be I think it does it very well, and I can't think of really any way to improve it. I agree with you. I mean, I, there's nothing that I can come up with that I don't like. Everything is simple, well-made, gameplay's great. I mean, it really is, for what it is, it's a fantastic game. I will say we did try playing Queen Domino. I did not feel the same way about that. How did you feel about Queen Domino? Yeah, you know, when we played Queen Domino, we had played King Domino a number of times and really enjoyed it. So um, I was actually pretty excited to try out Queen Domino because I had heard it referred to as a gamer's version of King Domino. And I thought, well, I'm a gamer and I like King Domino, (laughs) so this is going to be great. But I didn't love it. I was not a big fan of Queen Domino because in my opinion, and again, we only played this one or two times, um, in, in my opinion, part of what I like about King Domino was that it's clean and it's fast and it's it's simple and queen domino essentially is king domino with just a couple other little mechanics added in 
that in my opinion only added length to the game for the most part without really adding any satisfying decisions. Maybe if I played it more, I would enjoy it more. But honestly, if I was going to take a game like King Domino that was just a little more complex and took a little more time, there's probably other games I would rather play, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree with you. And I, you know, I'm all about the uh, equal rights for men and women in the gaming world. And so I really wanted to like Queen Domino because why should it get to be the king? But it was just not as enjoyable of a game. And it, it felt unnecessary to me. King Domino is great for what it is. And, and like you said, I think if I was going to play something a little heftier, I'd pick something different. Yeah, I agree. I think King Domino, I've had fun every time I've played it. And, and the added mechanics of Queen Domino, I personally did not find that engaging or fun um, on top of the mechanics that already exist for King Domino. So yeah, I think if I was making a suggestion to someone who was asking which should I get for my collection... I would absolutely recommend King Domino over Queen Domino. And if they wanted a slightly more complex game, I would probably recommend a different game. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All right, so we usually like to talk about the theme of this game. So let's talk about the theme of King Domino. Mamie, uh, when you select dominoes while playing King Domino, do you feel like a lord who's out exploring lands to add to your kingdom? <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, I think... Theme is kind of superfluous to this game. I don't think it's honestly that important. It could just as easily be set in space or have some other theme. And it wouldn't necessarily matter. I mean, you know, what those little Easter eggs and pictures are would be different. But I think theme is a very small aspect of what makes this game fun. But be honest, you are glad it is not set in space. I am. I am very glad it is not set in space. I actually might like it less if it was set in space. Yeah, you do not like space theme games. I don't. I just don't like space. Which actually, we are probably going to discuss Gaia Project coming up, and that's a space-themed game. I do like Gaia Project. I think I just ignore spite, the fact it's set in space. space. <laughs> in spite of the space theme. Yeah, that is true. All right, Mamie, so when would we break this game out? When have we? I mean, we've broken King Domino out lots of times. Yeah, I mean, I think as we've both said, it's a great game with kind of universal appeal. We play it with our gaming friends, with casual gamers, with the kids. I mean, like you said, I don't think it's an entree game for game night, uh, but it's a great game to break out in between other games or before everybody arrives, if you're waiting, you know, for something that's fairly quick. I mean, I think gameplay of this is definitely under 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, under 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, I totally agree. And and that boosts it for me, too, the fact that we've had so much fun playing it with our children. Right. As well. And and I think I mentioned this on a previous show, but um, in the previous JoshCon <laughs> where we went to the beach, you know, we were playing games like, like Kalos and Indonesia and, and sort of these heavier uh, multiple hour games. And, but I had just gotten uh, King Domino at that point, so I broke it out. And so we played King Domino after a game of Kalos or something like that. And immediately, and none of the other guys had played it, and immediately they wanted to play it again. And then the next day they asked, hey, can we play that King Domino game again, right? Which is the same reaction my kids have right. when we play King Domino. And I think that just says a lot to me about this game. So we've said a lot about King Domino. So let's give our final thoughts and our rating. And so um, so just to remind everyone of our wine-themed rating scale, it's a one to five scale where a one is just an empty, dusty old bottle of wine. I'm not good for anything except the recycle bin. Uh, A two would be a two buck chuck from Trader Joe's. If you don't have anything else, uh, it might do the trick. 
three three would be this wine in a can that we exactly we're this week it's in a can yeah so not the wine we're drinking now uh in a certain context like going camping it's perfect uh, it might be the perfect the perfect game for a certain context um, a four might be a, a really nice uh a really nice merlot uh, something easy to enjoy regularly. You've poured a glass. Um, you'd look forward to, to having some more and sharing it with your friends. And a five is a big, bold California cab that is only going to get better with age. So, Mamie, tell me your final thoughts and your rating of King Domino. So, this is hard because I, I think it's a 4.5. You know, I like to go off the scale. There, It's definitely a game that we enjoy playing and look forward to enjoying more and more and uh, I think we'll play it a lot over time. I think the only thing that keeps it from being at that very top is the sort of simplicity of it and the fact that I think if this was, as you said, the only game we had for the rest of our lives, we probably would get tired of it. Um, and so I think that's the only thing that keeps it from being that very, very top for me. But it is a solid 4.5. Yeah, no, that is, that's a good rating. And I actually considered the 4.5 for me, but I'm trying to hold steady to... <laughs> Using the five point scale, and you know this this has been really tough because you know we have really uh, at least in these early episodes have really focused on games we really like uh, and and at its core, this is a show about games we really like. I guess if it's a game we hate, we probably wouldn't spend the time to talk about it. No, we totally should that's what we should do an episode on games we hate <laughs> games we hate, yeah, so Monopoly. we can use the entire entire scale, yeah, Monopoly would not get a four point five um because you know i really I really hate to do this because just last episode, I gave Azul a five out of five, but there was really no way I couldn't give this game also a five out of five. Um, you know, and, and that is with the caveat of for what it is, a quick family game. This one is just so fun. It's well-produced. It's quick to set up, quick to play. But for me, it's strangely satisfying to decide how to build my kingdom and how to optimize it, how to decide which, which tile to choose, the balance between benefiting myself and maybe hate drafting against you. <laughs> <laughs> strangely satisfying. Do you find been, hate drafting against me strangely satisfying? Strangely, yeah, strangely <laughs> satisfying. Uh, but yeah, especially the two-player game is great. Like I mentioned, I've played this well over 20 times Still love it probably more than I did before. And I especially enjoy playing, I, I equally enjoy playing it with my kids and also my heavy gaming group. And I really can't think of any other game that that is that way. And so, is, so I guess for me, the game is perfect as it is. So that's a five out of five. I couldn't think of any other way to rate it. This would also be another definite shelf staple for me and one that I have recommended to others who are looking for new games. And next week, we'll find a game we hate. Good idea. All right. Thank you all for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at CardboardandWine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, we'd love to hear it. You can send us a tweet at Board and Wine. You can find us on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine, or you can email us at CardboardandWine at gmail.com. You can also jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Since we are a brand new podcast, it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie. Until next time. Cheers, cheers and happy, happy gaming. gaming.